You are listening to a Hippily Horror Stories Patreon bonus preview. If you like what you're hearing, stick around to the end to find out how you can get more. Hey guys, welcome to episode 1287 of Hillbilly Shorts. Hey guys. We're going to stick with doing the list of the, the true crime across the states because I like these. And this next one really caught my attention just by the title, so I haven't read it yet. Montana, the baffling case of the unknown legs. Oh. <laughs> See? This mm. sounds interesting. On June 26, 2012, a father and a son were hiking near Moulton Reservoir Road. They found a plastic bag, and when they looked inside, they found two male human legs, still wearing pant legs, socks, and boots. If they had both legs, there's no, no, no sense in saying pant legs. It's just they were wearing pants. You got both legs. Hmm. Unless they're two different men's legs. Based on the condition of the remains, authorities determined that the time of death had to have occurred, occurred sometime in early June. So this was June... 26, mm-hmm. so it was the end of the month. Despite searching the area, no other body parts were discovered and no clues regarding who the legs belonged to. Extensive DNA tests had been done to missing people reports, but have yet to be matched to the legs. Ten years later, every lead has been a dead end, including his legs. It remains an active case. <sighs> I mean, dude, this is awful. <laughs> I mean, unless it was. It that's was, why I don't. That's what I. Every time I drive or a, a ride by or whatever, a b- plastic bag laying yes. on the side of the road, I'm always like, what the heck is in there? But I don't want to know. I always have this fascination or fantasy to drive by and see a suitcase and it's just a bunch of money that somebody ditched because it's, you know, maybe it was part of a drug deal gone bad or mm-hmm. something like that. I mean, that's different. Ain't nobody dead. Suitcase could have somebody in it, though. That's true. Mm. You could open up a suitcase and not be the money you want. Would you keep the money? Yeah. Even if there was a dead body in there with it. I'd just throw that back and keep the money. For what if the money got traced back to you? Then you might end up in a suitcase. Yeah, that'd be something you just gotta... Well, I mean, who's gonna trace it back to you? It could only be detectives or something. It couldn't be like the mob couldn't track it back to you. They don't have that ability. But. Oh, well, I'm sure we don't have to worry about that, so we'll just quit talking about it. What do you say? <laughs> I mean, you'd have to launder it, but I mean, we got a good wash and dryer. What's the problem? No. Mm-mm. Nevada, the unknown identity of the Grandpa Bandit. In September 1991, after the Valley Bank of Nevada told an elderly man that they couldn't help him with a second mortgage, he came back to the branch with a gun. He ordered the manager to attach a bomb to her wrist, and then he told her he would detonate it if she tried to remove it. Because the vault required two people, he attached a second bomb to a teller where they filled a bag with $37,000. After he left, the bank was evacuated except for the two employees. When the bomb squad arrived, it was quickly determined that the bombs were fake. It's suspected that the Grandpa Bandit may have robbed three other banks, but he's never been identified or caught. If he's alive, he would be over 90 years old today. Oh, man. 
Woo, them, them girls are sweating out their boobies. They're like, oh. I bet. Because you imagine it's like, okay, everybody out except for you two. Why can't we, we go? go. But, uh, you have bombs on your wrist, doofus. <laughs> New Hampshire, the Bear Brook Bodies. Well, we've done this one before. I'll do it again, though, since it's short. In 1985, a hunter came across a barrel in the woods. It was overturned, and inside were human remains. Authorities determined that it was two bodies, a woman and a young girl. After searching extensively, they failed to find any leads to the identity of the bodies or circumstances that led to their death. Fifteen years later, I got something covering my... Fifteen years later, a new investigator returned to the scene of the crime and discovered two more bodies, both young girls, DNA tests showed that at least two of the girls were related to the woman, and they believed that all four were killed at the same time between 1980 and 1984. Unfortunately, despite media attention as recently as 2015, the identities of all four victims remain unknown. So, I don't know if you remember when we did this before. We covered it a little more extensively. So, four barrels, or two barrels were found. Mm Mm-hmm. But they were found 15 years apart from each other. That's insane. So I don't know how they found the first one and didn't find the other one, or mm-hmm. nobody found it. This guy went back to the crime scene, and there it was. I think he did it. I think he committed the crime. Mm. It's just too suspicious. No, I mean, um, I think if I remember correctly in this, the number one suspect was the woman and the child that was found in the first one. Mm-hmm. I think the girl's father and that woman's husband or boyfriend was the leading suspect. Because he kind of disappeared, from my understanding. They both did? It's the same person. Oh. He was the girl's father and her oh, husband. Oh, that oh. was a mother-daughter that was family. Okay. And they think uh, that that's, they think that's who it is, anyway, so. And he's never been found. Nothing I know of. But they think he was the one who did it, but they wasn't 100% sure, but it, everything kind of pointed towards him. And I don't, I don't know who the other two girls were. I don't remember. So, anyways. That's our story for today. Terrible. Terrible story. It was terrible. All right, guys. We love you. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye, guys. Hey, guys. Welcome to episode 1288 of Hillbilly Shorts. Hello. So I went back and I found, because that was all we had on that list, so I went back and found part one. And apparently this isn't an alphabetical list because part one starts with Florida. Uh, oh. And that's Mary Reeser, which we've already covered a couple of different times on the show. That's the um, young lady that was, uh, what do you call it, spontaneous combustion. Uh, so we've covered that a few times. Uh, I've actually covered it on Dead Time Stories in detail, and we've covered it on here. So we'll skip ahead. Colorado. Marvin Haymeyer's bulldozing tank. Love this story. We've all heard horror stories of feuding neighbors, but nothing is quite as tragic, shocking, and outrageous as when Marvin Haymeyer went on a rampage through his small Colorado town. It began as a zoning dispute that caused Haymeyer to lose his muffler business. When it became clear that the entire town had no intention of working with him, he began secretly converting a bulldozer into an impenetrable tank. Whoa, he is not playing. No, he was not playing on June 4, 2004, Haymeyer drove his armored bulldozer through the town and began systematically destroying the homes and the businesses of everyone he felt wronged him. 
Police fired over 200 rounds of ammunition and launched three explosives with zero effect on the dozer. Oh, man. Haymire ended up demolishing 13 buildings before the vehicle became high-centered on a basement. Sadly, Haymire committed suicide before police could breach the tank and arrest him. He was going to get his revenge no matter what. Well, that story has a lot of details to it, and I don't remember all of it, but what it boiled down to is it all had to do with politics. The local zoning company uh, zoning company had, I don't remember the exact deal on it, but somehow or another they had zoned to put something right there in front. It was another business or something. But they, they sold that land and put a business there, but it was in a way that people wouldn't going to be able to get to his muffler shop now. So he just kind of basically said, hey, well, this isn't fair. But I guess I think the people that they had given the land to were big time donors to the politicians that made the zoning decisions. So they just said, well, we hear you, but, you know, we're, this is what's happening. So they just, okay, so you had a muffler place. It just was there, but nobody could get to it. Yeah, when it was all said and done, people couldn't get to it. It was something of that nature, but it was something that was completely unfair. And he, when he went to him about it, there's like, ah, oh, well, these people donated a lot more money, so they get the land and they get to do what they want with it. But somehow or another, his muffler business was pretty much out of out of the, the way of people to be able to get to it. Well, I mean, I don't understand why they couldn't have just bought him out or something. He could have moved somewhere else. Well, but that that was his thing, I think. He wanted there there had to be some kind of a solution, but instead they just fixed it so he completely got screwed. So and then when he appealed it, he was pretty much told, Sorry, this is the way it's gonna be and then that's what caused him to go on his rampage. What a crappy thing to do to a person. That might be one that we cover on Macabre Mysteries at one point in time and actually get in all the details of it. Because it's it's pretty deep. There's a movie made about it, there's a couple of documentaries out there about it, but it's very fascinating. All right, so let's move to New York. The murder of Michael Malloy, the unkillable man. To say that people were desperate in the midst of the Great Depression is an understatement, but no one took that desperation to such extreme lengths as Tony Marino, operator of the Speakeasy in the Bronx. Working with a corrupt insurance agent in June of 1932, Marino began uh, taking out life insurance policies against frequent clients, setting them up with alcohol credits to help them drink themselves to death. Oh, whoa. (laughs) So he took insurance policies out of them and then gave them all kinds of liquor until they died and then he collected on them. The first target was Michael Malloy. But when Malloy's health didn't deteriorate, Marino began adding antifreeze to the booze. When that didn't work, he added turpentine, horse liniment, rat poison, and a sandwich laced with metal shavings and ran him over with a taxi (laughs) and poured five gallons of cold water on him while he was passed out in the snow. Eventually, they forced gas down his throat with a hose until he died. God. But word of Iron Mike reached the insurance company who had his body exhumed sending Marino and his accomplices to the electric chair in 1934. Well, good. What the hell was wrong with this guy? Oh, I don't know, but they I would have thought after he hadn't died after all these things, people would have got suspicious way before the gasoline. Maybe that was the second coming. <laughs> Nobody knows it. 
This guy just killed Jesus. <laughs> oh, no. Don't say that. I mean, think about a, that. I mean, how could a body handle all of that? I've drank gasoline before. Not on purpose. Antifreeze, turpentine, horse liniment, rat poison, a sandwich laced with metal shavings. Five, uh, five gallons of cold water poured, poured over you while you're asleep in the snow and ran over with a taxi and none of that worked. I think I would have just given up at that point. Yeah, sometimes there's a sign that maybe the killing business isn't your business. Yeah, That's crazy that he survived all of that. So. Wow. All right, guys, that wraps it up for this week. We appreciate it. Thank you guys for everything you do for us. Yeah, thank you guys. We sure do love you. Hey, guys, if you like what you just heard, we do six of those small bonus episodes every single week. We also do two full-length bonus episodes every month. We do a listener stories episode and then a story that's just like the ones you would typically hear on the regular feed. If you're interested in supporting us on Patreon, just go to patreon.com and look up Hillbilly Horror Stories or go to hillbillyhorrorstories.com and there's a direct link right there. Thank you guys so much for what you do for us.